Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Hey, Matt. Hey, Mark. What's up? Not much. You? Uh, you know, getting along, doing my thing. <laughs> How was your uh, May 2 4 weekend? It was really nice. Yeah. Uh, I had an e-brunch with some friends that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, we were making plans for what's going to happen when things open up. I got my first vaccine uh, a week ago, so we're already dreaming about <laughs> summer plans and things that are going to happen. So Yeah. Yeah. So everybody's excited. So yeah, we were thinking about meeting up, maybe trying to find a place on a lake. But I mean, the demand for anything outside of a city is just massive. Like, yeah, we usually go to um, Prince Edward County. Uh, so yeah. the wine region there outside Kingston. And everything is completely booked. It's compl- it's insanely expensive this year. It's just out of the question. So we're looking for other fun things to do that aren't just biking between vineyards and drinking wine. Yeah. That's also where I'm going this summer. Oh, nice. Yeah. I go to Sandbanks every yeah. every summer. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we reserved a spot. So who knows if we'll be able, if we'll be allowed to go, but we reserved it anyways. Yeah. Sandbanks is great. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Great Lakes. Yeah. Like they're so uh, nice. I prefer, I prefer the Great Lakes over the ocean. Oh, really? I mean, I mean, of course, you know, in the winter, I'd much rather be in the Caribbean but, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. Mexico, but uh, like in the summer, like, yeah, I love the Great Lakes. It's like the water is crystal clear the, the beach beaches are sandy there's no no vegetation no no wildlife <laughs> no jellyfish yeah the je- yeah jellyfish are a pain in the ass no exactly i mean but even like not just jellyfish but like crabs or i, I don't know i always i i like the idea of just being able to not worry about stepping on a crab <laughs> or yeah or hitting a jellyfish or, yeah yeah, we used to. Uh, my my mom's family is from Cape Breton, northern northern Nova Scotia, and yeah, August was jellyfish season. You go to the you want to go to this beautiful beach, go to hang out, and it's just jellyfish fucking everywhere. Yeah, no, exactly. It really ruins the experience. Yeah, damn you, jellyfish! Why do you ruin our vacations? Yeah, so selfish. God damn. Yeah, seriously. Think, think of somebody else, jellyfish. <laughs> Why, why aren't why aren't they dying from all the microplastics we put in the ocean? I know. I thought we were doing a good enough job of polluting the ocean. The least we could get out of it is less jellyfish. Exactly. So yeah, dreams of summer vacations, that kind of thing. Uh, I also picked up... Uh, so, I mean, I really spent last week uh, doing a few different things. Um, I decided to pick up a freelancing contract. Okay. So uh, a friend of mine had offered me some freelancing work a while ago. Uh, and it was it too. It, it, I was too in knee deep in shred at the time, so I was like, "All right, I'm not going to bother with it for now. I don't need the I don't need the money. Um, I just want to focus in on this thing and get it done." And now that uh, you know my shred consulting is is finishing up, I'm thinking, "Okay, well, what do I want to do next?" And I've been doing a lot of customer interviews, and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I re- I made a critical mistake when I was saving my runway um, to quit my job, and it was. I had this money saved and it was purely for runway. It was just like, this goes to rent and food and that's it. And I never had a fun budget. 
So in my mind, it's been like, oh, we should take, well, I mean, with COVID, we haven't been like, let's take a trip. <laughs> but we're starting to think now, oh, maybe next winter we want to go to Mexico or something like that. And I'm looking at it and it's like, I don't have the budget for that. And I realized that I should have had a fun fund. And I'm like, oh, you know, it would make a lot of sense. You know, this freelancing is in my my lap. I can charge a healthy rate. I can pay my expenses and I can start assembling a fun fund. And I just said, oh, this is this is a perfect opportunity to do that. Um, he's looking for, you know, 12 to 16 hours of work a week, which is perfect for me. I can work two days a week, be free the other five. And at least right now, my number one um, mission is just to interview people. So I just spend all day finding and talking to people. So I'm totally happy to just devote two days to making a bit of scratch, and then I can I can do what I want with the rest. And I'm, I'm, I've never been so happy to work in my life. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's just nice to think, like, I'm going to get some money that empowers me to do really fun things. Because now that the summer's coming and things are opening up, I just feel like, oh, I want to go out and kind of live the life that I haven't had for years. For, well, for year. Oh, God. <laughs> for year. For year. It feels like it. Yeah. It, years. It's been a fucking eternity. Um, so already, like, <laughs> the... Um, the, the terraces in Montreal, the the, uh, the patios in Montreal are opening up this week. Uh, they're opening up on Friday. So uh, my wife and I and uh, my wife's business partner and her partner are, we're already planning to camp out at a couple of pubs at like 1 p.m. or 11 a.m. <laughs> and just like hit that terrace and just hang. Um, so, and, and just looking at that, it's like, you know, previously I would have been afraid of saying, okay, I have to make sure I'm not going overboard or I have to be really careful with finances. And now it's like, man, just go have some fun. Like, don't even worry about it. So knowing that I've got a bit of income to, to shelter, to uh, cushion that blow, just makes me feel even better about the fun that I'm going to have. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's nice to, to just have a little bit of, bit of cushion there. Yeah. And the work, is super, the work is super interesting. Um, my friend is, uh, he's been trading crypto for for the better part of 18 months and um he's done well and he's like you know i'm interested in hiring some freelancers to help me automate some of the stuff that i'm doing so i can focus more on trading so i'm building a uh, a back tester for his um uh, for the models that he writes so i'm digging into that and understanding this kind of new world it's very interesting that's cool yeah so yeah so i've been Dealing with that, kind of getting on board, we were spending some time together talking about the problem, assembling requirements, that kind of thing. And then I just went on an interview spree. I interviewed six people last week, um, learned a bunch, and I've got three on the books for this week. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, or, you know, I've kind of milked the the initial big Slack groups that I'm in. Um, initial, like, I, I try to do catch-up lunches with people in my immediate network, and the rest is now like, okay, what are the, what's the next thing Next thing I can try to talk to more people? So I think I'm going to give uh, meetups will be the next thing I try. They're all remote now, so right. I'm just going to attend a bunch of meetups and see if I can have some conversations with people. Um, yeah. So on the interviewing side, I've learned, I learned quite a bit, uh, which is really interesting. So I wanted to throw some stuff at you because I, well, I, I was thinking about messaging you through last week and I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll save it for the podcast, but... Um, when I, as I've been asking questions, I'm really in kind of discovery phase. I have a few ideas of things that I remember being painful for me when I was, um, when I was working 
of a company and that kind of thing. So when I've been interviewing people, they've been very broad discussions. It's like, oh yeah, you're you're you were working in an office, now you're working remotely. How is? Tell me about your life and like you know you you used to start your day by coming into the office and getting a coffee and sitting at your desk. Like, what does that look like now? And I'm getting some interesting answers. Um, I'm getting I've but okay, sorry to finish my question to you. It was my questions are extremely broad. It's very much like I'm just kind of mining them until they sounds kind of robotic, I guess, but like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm asking them questions, looking for difficult things. And as soon as they hit on something hard, then I start to go deep on that. I'm like, Oh, tell me more about that. Like, Oh, your, your computer is slow. Or one unexpected one is you're having trouble figuring out what to eat for lunch. Um, <laughs> because people are working from home and they're in the burbs or whatever, and they're not actually that close to restaurants or anything like that. So they have to put a little more thought into what they want to have for lunch, right. uh, which is pretty funny. But yeah, so I've been finding that I, I wasn't, I, I was having a tough time um, coming up with real pain. I mean, the lunch thing was just kind of something funny that came up once or twice, but I was finding that if I approach them with uh, very specific things, like one of the um, one of the problems I had in mind was around whiteboarding, and that when we work remotely, it, it, when we work remotely, whiteboarding basically stops. I, I don't know anybody that works remotely and even attempts to whiteboard. Um, I had an idea that I thought might be interesting that, you know, because whiteboarding with your mouse, like trying to draw with your mouse is not the same as using a marker. And everybody, <laughs> everybody believes that. But I was thinking like, oh, what if you just used your phone, you used your finger as a stylus and, and your phone? Like, could you have a, a decent whiteboarding experience that way? So I was, so when I ask people like, oh, you know, tell me about your problems, that sort of thing. Um, if, if I'm not getting anything interesting, then I come at them with like, well, how do you feel about whiteboarding? Like, tell me about your whiteboarding experience. And I get way, I mean, it makes sense that I get way better information when I'm specific. Like, oh, like, right. you know, tell me about the last time you had to solve a tough architectural problem or something. Um, and I guess I was, the question I had for you was, I want to, I want to understand what their problems are. And it's tough when you're not, because when you're not specific, I feel like you don't get good data. Like, it's, it's hard to know, like, what problems are they really dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis? I don't know. Um, yeah. Do you think that's a factor of me not asking the right questions, or is it just like the nature of the problem? I don't know. Yeah, I think sense. these first interviews, it's almost more like a what Amy Hoy would call like safari, right? Like mm -hmm. it's it's more. It seems that that's what you're doing more because mm -hmm. you're you're not going in there with any idea of a problem or solution. You're just yeah trying to explore so i think it's normal that yeah it feels like unguided or untargeted yeah, yeah, yeah. i think that's normal okay but but i think you should pretty quickly like try to come up with some problems like after you've spoken to a few people you say okay let's let's explore this uh this meal prep or mm -hmm. whatever you know like any of course one that interests you but yeah like let's explore that you know i have so they come up with like three three questions that you'd like answers for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Right now, yeah, as I've been going, I've been refining my the questions I ask and a few other things. Um, like the whiteboarding thing is something that I brought up and I've been getting interesting results from that. Um, another one that I've kind of been interested in is when I was uh, when I was working 
at all, at most of the companies I've worked at, there were front end developers and there were back end developers, and like never the two shall meet. So <laughs> agreeing on contracts and sharing them back and forth was always very difficult um, because the front end would be like, "Tell us what the contract is," and the back end is like, "Here's what we're going to give you for now." And it was always yeah, the the lack of planning was always a problem, and it caused a bunch of problems. Um, so I've been asking people, oh, you know, how do you deal with this problem, and how do you deal with this problem? And it's really helping me to understand that it, it, it just reminds me of like, oh man, like our ind- the people that work in our industry are so different. Like companies operate t- wildly differently between them, um, how they approach things, like even like having a full stack mindset versus a front and a back. Um, they just, they're way more ready to just communicate with one another. Like, yeah, the communication style between people at different companies, it's so interesting how different it is. Um, one thing that I've been finding that's really interesting is um, stratifying by years of experience. Um, I've been, juniors have very different problems from people who are intermediate or senior. Um, one thing I've definitely been noticing is that juniors don't understand how they're being evaluated. So it's kind of like when you start working, you're understanding, you're, you're trying to learn, oh man, yeah, when you first enter the workforce, you're trying to learn so much. You're trying to work on your craft, but you're also a, prof- a professional in an environment. So you're trying to learn, how do I become a, a functioning member of a team? How do I also climb the corporate ladder? Like, can I do all these things at the same time? And it's really interesting because juniors, a lot of them, well, you know, I've, I've probably spoken to like a dozen people, maybe a little bit more. And the feeling I've been getting is a lot of juniors are like, the skill that I have is learning is, is that I know how to code, but that's really it. <laughs> and like, <laughs> how do I survive in this world? So they're like, well, I'll just do more of what I know how to do. So they work 10, 11, 12 hour days and they're burning out and they don't know like, what do I do? Am I, am I doing a, a good job? I, I Yeah. So it's really interesting to hear, like, because to me, I hear that and I think, okay, that's an interesting lack of communication between you and, and whoever is managing you or, um, uh, or yeah, I guess management is the right word. Um, as well, like, do you, yeah, like, you don't understand how you're being evaluated. Like, that should probably be pretty clear. And then the types of organizations they're in. So I've been asking, you know, some of the key questions I ask are, like, how many years of experience do you have? And are you working with other developers? Um, like, tell me about the team that you're working in. Are you close to product? Are you close to your end, end consumers? Or are you mainly working with other developers? And it's been really interesting to see. I feel bad for a lot of these these juniors. They they don't have a great taste of the industry and they're kind of left left alone. Yeah. yeah. And especially through, like because they're remote now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. if, if I walked by a junior who was in, in a cold sweat, I would be like, <laughs> is everything okay? Like I can look at his face. <laughs> like I can look at their face and say, you know, is that really, can I help? Is everything all right? Yeah. I mean, my my first experience as a junior, I was walk, working side by side with the technical founder. And, wow. you know, he was a mentor. Like, basically, I knew exactly what he expected from me because mm-hmm. he was sitting right beside me. <laughs> yeah. I think it's easy to take for granted. I, I, I remember when I, when I first came into the industry, I remember being in that boat. I don't know how I'm being evaluated. And then as soon as you figure that out, I feel like your, your confidence just increases because I feel like if you ask the same question to a senior, you're like, do you know how you're being evaluated? They, they might say, well, it's not necessarily about ticking a box, but more that I do good quality work 
I work as quickly as I can. And when things go off the rails, I raise my hand. And it's like having the confidence to be able to say, like, I know what it means to be a developer. Whether this company chooses to evaluate one thing or another, they hired a developer and I know how to be a developer. So I noticed that as a particular particular drawback. So yeah, anyway, I'm just learning a lot from, from the people that I'm talking to. But yeah, like having being able to ask very pointed questions is something that that uh, increased the quality of <laughs> of the yeah. uh, of my session. So yeah, I, I think I like the, your advice of having two or three questions that you really want answered, and also zeroing in on those questions relative to the people you're asking them to. Because I'm realizing too that I'm if I ask a, a, in a Facebook group, for example, of developers, um, you know, who are the developers that are in that group? Am I getting full stack people who are working for small companies or am I getting enterprise level devs that only do backend and, and that's it. Um, so it's kind of interesting to think like, yeah, who is your audience? What, what audience are you really in front of and getting to know them? So yeah, understanding the profile of the company is something I'm not doing enough of. I really need to kind of get that intake going of who are you? What company do you work for? Describe the, uh, describe the situation so that I can contextualize the, the information that they're giving you. Okay, if we if we took a a higher level view of like the path that you're on, mm-hmm. what's the the next milestone? I mean, in my opinion, is that you will identify a problem that is like a a hair on fire problem or a, a headache medicine problem, right? You're going to find this problem that is burning and urgent, and they're already spending money to solve it. Ideally, yeah. So do you do you feel you're on that path right now? Like you're gonna you're gonna reach that milestone? Right now, that's a good question. Let me think about that for a second. So I think that I think yes, I think yes. The I can't say for sure that it's any of the questions that I have right now, like the whiteboard thing, for example. Um, but as I understand the types of problems that people have, my ability to zero in on those problems is quite good. Okay. Um, yeah, I've just been interviewing a lot of people, but I haven't yet found commonalities or th- th- I haven't found those hair on fire problems. Um, people are not very good at remembering the, their hair on fire problems. You really have to, <laughs> you have to ask the right questions and know when to investigate and how to dig. Yeah. People usually just recall what happened last week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So no, that, so that's, that's a good sign then. If you, if you have a gut feeling that you're, you're, you're going to f- discover that if eventually, mm. then I think you're on the right path. Well, now I'm even doubting myself <laughs> because I'm, tr- I'm recalling the interviews that I've done. There hasn't really been much of a, I haven't really found, a, I haven't found a, a hair on fire problem yet. Because when I was doing the shred stuff, I found people with that hair on fire problem. Yeah. And I haven't found anything like that yet. I know it exists but I haven't found it yet. And I, I guess that could be a factor of the fact that I haven't prompted them for it. But yeah, I guess that's where my uncertainty lies. I mean, that's the right way to say it. It's, I'm sure with the amount of people I'm talking with, like I've already learned a lot about the way juniors behave and that kind of thing, um, which I think is very valuable. Um, so as long as that quality of learning continues, then I will, I'm sure I'll reach, I'll reach a conclusion at some point. But I definitely see the um, I learn a lot more when I have specific questions to ask. So I think maybe um, 
spending more time thinking about those individual questions is something I, I need to think more about. Maybe varying them or figuring out, maybe doing a deep dive on my own history and thinking about the problems that I had a little bit more and just using them as jumping off points to facilitate discussion. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of rambling a little bit. But. Well, because you, you picked an audience that you like. And yeah. You, and so that's good. Like, you know, you, you're going to serve... You're going to serve a public that you that you like, mm. and now you're sort of on safari trying to find a hair on fire problem. Yes, I mean the alternative is to find like a vitamin problem. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> which is it's not it's not the best, but there are plenty of vitamin businesses out there where totally. people are willing to spend money on it. So yeah, it's finding those top three problems, finding those those headaches that developers have, and understanding like oh yeah, is there what, where do the where do those headaches originate from? What is the problem really? So yeah, not quite there yet, but yeah. Have you have you asked people like what's the last thing they bought? No. Or the last thing that they used a company credit card? On? No, I haven't. That's an interesting question. I mean, those will be very, they'll be very generic, and they will repeat themselves. I'm sure. It doesn't necessarily mean that you'll discover a problem. But still, I mean. It lets you know what they're buying, <laughs> right? Mm. Or what did they what did they last spend money on? Because they're working remotely. Yeah. Well, that was um, that was a topic that I I was broaching with. Well, I yeah I wasn't quite asking that, but um, I was talking about um, remote developer stipends with a few people. Like I know Shopify, for example, because they're full remote, you go to work for them and they give you I don't know what it is, a few hundred dollars. And they say, you know, outfit your at-home workstation. And part of what I was thinking was for this whiteboarding thing that it's like, well, maybe the problem is just that up until now, no one has wanted to spring for tools. Um, and maybe it's like, you know, maybe a phone would be is good for whiteboarding, but maybe actually like a little tablet with a stylus is better. And right. part of your stipend is maybe like, you know, maybe there's like some off-the-shelf commodity hardware that just, you know, you pair it with an excellent whiteboarding app. And now everyone's whiteboarding again uh, because they they've, they're facilitated to do it. And now there's budget to do it because, you know, the money's the money's for you to to have a better setup. So why not? Yeah. Um, so I was thinking, oh, that's interesting. But I mean, it, I've been interested in, in interested in whiteboarding because specifically because I realized recently that in my whole career I've always been remote. My team won't remote. My teams have all been global. So like I've always worked with people across the world or in other time zones and we've just stopped we we just don't whiteboard because we can't and like i spoke to a few people about this and saying hey like do you whiteboard at work how does that work and one person said to me i love whiteboarding i fucking love it but i adapted to not doing it because i i just keep working in global teams and he's like now i'm remote so i i just don't like there's yeah i don't do it at all and he's like, and I was saying like, oh, well, did you ever think and investigate to try to <laughs> try to make it work? Like, and uh, he was just like, no, I just really like tactile things. He's like, I don't use e-readers. I buy physical books. I don't, I, I don't, I, he's like, I want a marker and a whiteboard. I don't want, I don't want a tablet. <laughs> and I'm just, I want to, I want to smell the felt. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the really, the true experience. <laughs> um, and then I realized like, oh, that's a, it's so interesting that you believe that. Um, but what I did realize was if I was, if I were going to attempt to pre-sell something like this, you know, assuming that this fix could exist, um, pre-selling something like this to, to somebody, it would be like, I need to find people who love whiteboarding so much 
that they've gone to ridiculous lengths to to facilitate whiteboarding in their remote companies, um, which is an interesting challenge because I, I re- I'm committed to pre-selling whatever it is that I choose to do. Yeah. And finding those people, I mean, it's a distribution challenge, but um, but maybe not. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting to to realize like that's something I'll have to, uh, that, that's a problem I'm going to have to overcome. So maybe, maybe that idea is worth focusing on now. Like, mm. like, I mean, it, it, it might feel early, but mm. you might get some answers right away that, I mean, you know, the big questions are the distribution, how are you going to reach them? Um, what solutions did they look for or, or did find that sort of work? Mm. And then what, what's wrong with those solutions? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because of the developers that I've talked to about this, everyone is just kind of like, yeah, no, we don't. It's like, it's this thing we do when we're together, but when we're not together, we just don't do. Yeah. And it's like, that's so funny. Like, but it's like people just kind of accept the status quo. They're like, oh, if only I could draw this. Oh, I can't. Oh, that's too bad. And then they don't take any action. <laughs> they just attempt to re-describe their situation <laughs> without yeah. the aid of pictures. Because, yeah, it's, it sounds like a good idea. It sounds interesting. I... I guess it's just one of those things that I, I'm just looking for proof. I'm looking for proof that people are actually out there in the world trying to do it. Yeah. Because there's tons of software out there, like tons and tons. So people must be using it. They need to be. I mean, that's it. That could be your next next watering hole is go find one of these solutions. I mean, Google Hangout has a whiteboard, right? They do, yeah. So go f- look at the forums see people complaining about it <laughs> and just yeah find out if anybody would be willing to talk to you about a better whiteboard experience yeah 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 because at least right now um i don't seem to be getting good data from the people that i'm interviewing around this topic specifically um i'm not getting great data it's just kind of more of the same oh i wish i could do it but i i can't and i don't take any steps to solve the problem yeah i mean because and that's probably normal like you're you're, first of all, you're reaching out to your direct network. Yeah. And and just because whiteboarding is not a hair-on-fire problem to them, it doesn't mean that there's not a niche market out there that it is. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. So if you can f- yeah, find a different watering hole where people are talking about whiteboarding, either because they're using a, a really bad solution right now, yeah, so that kind of covers like what I've been doing with my interviews, what I've learned. It's been really interesting. It's also really nice to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, yeah. that was the first goal, right? To yeah, actually exactly. do it. Mm. So, um, so yeah, I think the next uh, project there is like we talked about, like digging in on specific topics. Um, I want to refine my questions a little bit, and um, yeah, finding new watering holes, ways to talk with people, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, because if you could start focusing, you can, you'll you either hit a nerve or you'll quickly disqualify that idea. Mm-hmm. Like you'll realize that, well, I can't even reach them. Yeah. <laughs> right? They yeah. won't even talk to me. So Yeah, yeah, which will be a pretty nice indicator to stop. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And then you go back to the more generic exploring and then you'll find a new idea. You can target that one. Yeah. So yeah. So aside from that, um, I've been now that I've now that I'm doing some freelancing on top of 
uh, everything else. I have been seeing in a few uh, a few like freelancing Facebook groups and subreddits and stuff that I'm in that there's a a few platforms out there like i've so i mean there's like the information consulting stuff like have you heard of like guidepoint global gpg or clarity.fm is another one no they're like experts exchanges so you can sign up and be like i'm a i don't know i'm a wordpress developer i know all about wordpress and uh you know you kind of list out the technologies that you know and then companies that are looking to interview experts in technologies or fields or methodologies whatever um will say, like, I, I, I know a lot of um, investors do this. So they're like, I'm thinking about making an investment in Webflow. So I want to know about the world of web design in WordPress, for example, or, or anything adjacent to, um, to uh, Webflow. So uh, they'll reach out to these expert exchanges and say, oh, Matt knows WordPress. I want, you know, I want to interview Matt. So they'll pay you pretty well. Um, you set your rate in a lot of cases. And, you know, you can make hundreds of dollars in USD for an hour of your time to sit down and interview with someone. So I've done a few surveys through um, GuidePoint Global. Okay. And another, uh, so in these subreddits and communities, lately, carrot.com, like K-A-R-A-T.com has showed up. And they're like, it's like outsourced technical interviews. So, um, you know, Power Importer is looking for developers. You don't want to screen them yourselves. You can pay Carrot to do it. So they hire developers to do the screenings on their behalf. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll sign up for this and maybe this could be an interesting income stream. So I've been looking at just like, oh, maybe I can pick up a few interviews a month or something like that and make uh, make a bit of money just assessing people. And then I remembered how much I hate interviewing. <laughs> well, like, well, not like not interviewing. I don't mind that being interviewed. I, I very much despise because they want they want to do of course they want to screen me they, if i'm going to be interviewing people they need to screen me um but i realized that i, I was looking at their <laughs> their onboarding process and they're like you have to do this coding assessment and i just think like god i hate those things like i it just reminds me of like getting into the room and this ridiculous game of what is it that you are trying to understand about me that you think that me merging two strings together is going to tell you. <laughs> or like, okay, fine, I'm gonna implement merge sort for you, but like, what does that tell you about me? So I'm I'm interested in the income stream, but I'm I'm thinking like, maybe I'll just, I don't wanna waste their time. Like, you know, I, I know it, it costs them money to do these things. And I'm just thinking like, if I could just do it and not study and just pass, <laughs> that'd be great. But I also don't want to go in there and just fucking bomb. <laughs> That's not going to make me feel good at all. So I'm trying to decide if I should just stop the process and just come back to it another time or if I actually want to commit to doing it. Yeah. Hiring devs is broken. Like I, like I you know, actually, as a side note, this week is my 10-year anniversary of quitting my job. Oh, shit. Yeah. Happy anniversary, babe. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't done any interviews in a long time, mm. but I read about them on Hacker News, and especially for you know applying for a, a FANG company. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. It's like, yeah, I would, I would never put up with it. Maybe that's a very privileged thing to say, yeah. but... But it's like no, I have more too much respect for myself. Like, mm. I I'm not gonna jump through hoops and do all this work 
that you're asking a hundred other developers to do also, right? Oh, yeah. So like, how much human capital are you wasting just because you think you got, you know how to find top talent? Mm-hmm. Ah, man, I've been helping. I don't know. It's arrogant. It's like, a, no, oh, yeah. fuck you. I'm oh, not doing it. Uh, I I'm couldn't agree more. It. I couldn't agree more. Like, uh, I was helping, uh, I have a friend who runs a recruiting company and I've been doing candidate screening for him or like, like helping him with his candidate screening and like someone uh, a company was asking their uh their potential candidate to do a coding challenge coding challenges are interesting but the problem is that with coding challenges is that the it's very often the coding challenge doesn't get you the job it ticks a box but it doesn't get you the job so it creates this weird incentive because it's like well how much time should i spend on this because, exactly. Because it's like, that's a very fair question. What, what do you want to see from me? And if I, were a, if I were in charge of the process and I was asking someone to do a coding challenge, like, you have to be able to say, like, because the problem is to say, like, you shouldn't spend any more than three hours doing this. It's like, I'm trying to get a job from you. Like, I'm, I'm going to spend the time that it takes to have it be right because I want you to see. But, like, how much weight does that give to you actually getting the job, I, it's it's so difficult to know. Yeah, like oh man, I I had some friends tell me that they were they were applying for like enterprise Java developer positions, whatever. And in their this was this was like a few years ago, I think. But they go into the interview. You know, we you know they're like, oh Matt, can you do a mock interview with me? We were practicing together, and uh, he goes into the interview, and they asked him like, okay, can you implement? a thread-safe, like, data structure. I can't remember what... A thread-safe queue, let's say. And uh, and when he told me that, you know, reporting back on the interview, I was like, wow, are they doing a lot of, like, parallel programming? Like, do they need... Like, you have to have a really clear and good understanding of concurrency in Java? And he goes, oh, no, they're building a web app. <laughs> I was like, why the fuck were they asking you about concurrency? Is that a good, like, what's going on? No, exactly. There's such a disconnect. So it's, yeah, it's so stupid and weird. And to me, it I, I don't know. Like, I, I find it so dis- disrespectful. Like, mm. it's this idea that, you know, it's, I don't know, it's like the developer is begging for a job and the, the employer has all these candidates. Mm-hmm. And I'll make you jump through hoops, and uh, it's like a boot camp, you know. Yeah. <laughs> make you crawl through mud and do push-ups and all that, and at the end, oh, I will reward one of you with a job. <laughs> one of you will be anointed. <laughs> exactly. It's like fuck you. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing you as much as you're interviewing me. Like mm-hmm. I want to know whether I want to give you forty hours of my week mm-hmm. each week. Yeah. You know, like that's my life. We're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, any of these lopsided commitments, like where you're going to ask all these developers to do these these tests, mm-hmm. just like you said, to to check a checkbox, mm-hmm. and then after that, I'm going to make them all do something else, and then I'm going to even outsource the interviewing, like mm-hmm. like you're doing. Yeah, it's like you're you're not even investing into these these candidates. But you expect them to invest a bunch of their time and energy. I had a friend, I, well, I have a friend who changed my mind completely on this topic because he was like, 
you know, they ask you to do a coding challenge. And right away, he was like, I'm not doing that. Like, why would I do this coding challenge? And then eventually, somewhere along the line, somebody said, well, it's our process. Like, we need every, everybody does a coding challenge. And he goes, okay, fine, I'll do your coding challenge. He's like, but we have to do all of the other interviews first. I refuse to do the coding challenge until he said his his quote was something like, I will invest as much time in you as you invest in me. And you have to invest in me first. That's my rule. And yeah, exactly. And there are companies that are like, no, we don't want to do that. And it's like, great, then I'm not going to, I don't have to work here. It's a great, thank you. Now I know I don't want to work for you. Yeah. Like. And I heard that and it was like, that is fucking genius. Like, yeah. I think that's such a fair way to think about it. And that's my, anytime somebody talks about coding challenges now, or like in my social circles, I'll just be like, oh, you should absolutely not do that until you interview with them. Yes, yeah, while exactly. you're wasting your time. Like what if they just don't like your face and don't hire you? You just spend a bunch of time doing a pointless coding challenge that you yeah. didn't get paid for, that you were stressing over. No, exactly. No, it's, it's no, for me, it's, it's a showstopper. I mean, all when I did do interviews, like my mentality was always like, "I'm going in there to interview you." Absolutely. <laughs> like that's what I'm here for. Like I'm not here to beg for a job and to answer all your questions. No, no, no. I'm here to find out whether I want to work for you. Yeah, if you're gonna ask me to do challenges and all that, I, I mean, I was lucky enough that they never asked for that. But if they would have, I would have said no. Well, it's interesting. Like now that I now that I have like a thousand foot view on the process i feel like anytime i go into an interview i want to ask an interviewer like what are you like what are you hoping to learn about me because i can help you with that like if you ask me how to merge a couple strings it's like okay well sure i guess you're asking if i know this programming language a little bit um i mean coding with somebody over your shoulder is hard anyway so if that's what you're hoping to learn about me then sure we can tick that box but like what can i like help me understand what you really want yeah i want to know how you think like bitch no you don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah interviewing is hilarious it's uh yeah so silly there there's a problem that you need to solve (laughs) (laughs) man i part of it like i don't know the, the thing that drives me nuts about all of this is just that um how close to hazing it is yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, well, I merged, I rewrote merge sort, so you should have to rewrite it too. And it's like, yeah, no. On a whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, on a whiteboard, and it has to be syntactically perfect. And I'm just going to sit here silently and judge you and make notes. Exactly. And it's yeah. just like, oh my God. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like I just, I don't know. I, I Anytime I see anything that even looks like hazing, I'm just so. I'm just so disgusted by it that I'm just yeah like what are we what are we doing here what's what's the point yeah I mean I'm I'm a lurker on Hacker News so I never comment but yeah sometimes I just want to scream at <laughs> these people complaining about these juniors right like I feel their pain like they they want to get a really good job in Silicon Valley for a fang company and I'm like you know that there's like 95 percent of other businesses will not make you jump through these hoops like mm. like yeah the the fa- it's normal that the fan companies are gonna are gonna make you jump through hoops and haze you mm. because they can. So many people want to work there, but you know if you have like have respect for yourself. I don't know, like go go work for a smaller company that's gonna respect you and yeah, 
And then once you've accumulated some work experience, then maybe you'll you'll just land a fang job by just by referrals, like just from references and contacts. And- I, I just have a general problem with the fact that interviews, at least the one, a lot of the ones that I've been that, that I've engaged with, are they just they're 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 a game separate from the job. And it's just like, why am I learning how to interview? Like, I had now I have to maintain a, another skill set of like learning how to interview so that I can get a job. It's like I should be doubling down on my skill set of yeah. learning, of being a better programmer, of learning more things. Yeah, and if and if it's a non-technical person that's hiring you, like they might be more interested in your charisma and your, you know, like are you a good talker? Are you? Yeah. Do can I you, like you as a person? Can I communicate with this person? Right. Yeah, absolutely. But. But a lot of those things might not be that important if you're hiring a developer. Like, totally. Like, you might you might want the quiet person that just <laughs> just like produces quality code and yeah. doesn't like to chit chat. So yeah, that's kind of my yeah that's my rant on interviews. <laughs> it's totally broken, but I don't know what to do about it. I don't know. How's your week? Anything exciting going on? Uh, exciting? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was a brutal week. Like, I had a ton of support to do. Okay. Like, yeah, like a, something has to give. Like I need to. I, I reread Derek Sivers' famous poster, like the hell yeah or no. I love Derek Sivers. He is amazing. Yeah, and I, I feel like I need to start saying no now. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been saying yes to everything in mm-hmm. the past months. Like any new opportunity, yes, let's do it. Yeah, and I think it it probably contributed to my success. Like, sure, that was that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that it wouldn't scale, but now I'm at the point where it really doesn't scale anymore. Like I'm just I'm I'm really good with with support. Like I you know I respond. I told myself I would I would respond within 24 hours, but usually I respond within. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes <laughs> right and people are always impressed that I respond so quickly but then it sets an expectation like where they it's all by email and it's it's okay to just send me a, a one sentence question with no context no details of yeah. like how to reproduce the problem like and and the guy just drains so much of my time right. like just so much back and forth um, I use I use Gmail like Google Suites. So, you know, I can see these threads are like 25 messages long, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's, oh, it's, yeah, I need to either make people wait when I email them. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, I'll take the day off, right? To, for health reasons. Because <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> so want to sleep. Like. Yeah, exactly. So I'll see the emails and I'll say, okay, no, I'll, I'm going to make them wait till tomorrow. Like, I already responded to emails this morning. That's it. I'm, I'll, I'll respond again next week. Uh, tomorrow and they're still impressed that i respond quickly right whoa thanks thanks for responding quickly because that's you know with some big companies like you're not going to get a response in 24 hours yeah so i need to i think i need to do that more just set a a pace that i can maintain Mm -hmm. and i think i need to work more on some canned responses Mm -hmm. like often i'm just repeating the same thing so i should really just write it properly detailed once and then be able to just cut and paste these these answers when someone sends you an email 
do you? Oh, no, I guess I guess where I was go, what I was about to ask was like, do they have any ex? Like, it's your response that's giving them the expectation that oh, Mark gets back to me within thirty minutes. This is great. I, it's basically yeah, exactly. last support over email. Okay. Yeah. I wonder what would happen if you responded automatically of like, hey, thanks for emailing. Um, you know, I work between these hours, um, so I'll get back to you then or whatever. And it's like in the meantime. Um, actually, there's a knowledge base and maybe even a link to, do, I don't know, I don't know how, how to do, like, if you could divine, like, oh, there's a, you used a couple keywords and there's these key, matches these keywords in the knowledge base. You just check out this particular article in the meantime, but um, I'll get back to you soon or something like that. I mean, there are tools, there, there are solutions that do exactly this, Yeah. right? Where someone can't just email you, they have to first search in the knowledge base right. to look for a an answer and if they don't find it then they give them an option to to send in their question right so obviously that is a solution that scales yeah. i didn't want to do it because it's not it's not great customer support yeah but i might be at the point now where i i have to do it just so that i can work on new importers and mm-hmm. and of course just i mean i'm i'm answering often the same i'm answering the same answers to the same questions that are being repeated yeah where I could improve the UX so that they don't ask that question. Right. But right now, I, I don't even have the time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I need to start saying no. Like, yeah. to get an email, just, you know, like, be more be more strict of my time. Like, mm-hmm. at the, you know, just whatever, like, one hour of support per day. And then after that, it's, yeah, you have to wait yeah. until tomorrow's next hour of support mm-hmm. to get your response yeah i think that's i think that's very reasonable at some point if you have plans to improve the product to deal with support you have to stop doing support so you can do the thing yeah exactly i i need to change my my state of mind like i need to start saying no to to more things mm-hmm. it's not just support like i'm doing a lot of calls like i mean some of it is founders club mm-hmm. and so the 100 and 100 challenge mm-hmm. that has a weekly call. The MicroConf has a one-on-one that I, that I do often. Okay. And, and then often I'll jump on a support call with, with a customer, which is also gives me an opportunity to do a bit of customer interviews. Cool. So it's all good, but it's it's taking up so much of my time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really like turns... Like, I'm, in, I'm not even talking to that many people and my week is like Swiss cheese. Like, I'm yeah. just getting holes punched into my calendar of, oh, 30 minutes here, 45 minutes there. It's like, I can't imagine what it must be like for you. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, it's, I, I don't work well when my schedule is like that. And then, you know, then there's, you know, like my wife might, will work one day and then, oh, so now I have to take, I have to do all the dog walks that day. Yeah. So now I've got to f- schedule the dog walks in between calls and it's like, forget it. I'm not going to get any work done that day. Yeah. So yeah, I need to I need to be able to to do some deep work again. Absolutely. So if if it's at the sacrifice of customer support, then be it. So one of the things I didn't get done last week was to finish this referral program and uh, for the side project. Yes. Rewardful. Okay. Yeah, I worked a little bit on it, um, but then yeah, integrating rewardful was unsuccessful. Okay. Like, uh, I have a bit of a rant to go on. <laughs> so the Rewardful uses Intercom live chat. Okay. Right. 
So, so I, I was trying to integrate it. And um, for some reason, like, I wasn't able to see the, the ID that I pass it. I was able, able to see it in, in my Stripe dashboard or in, in the webhooks that Stripe sends me back. Right. So I have no way of knowing whether it's working or not. Okay. And I searched through the knowledge base and there doesn't seem to be a sandbox kind of mode. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like, I want to be able, because Stripe has an amazing test mode. Yeah. Like it's fully functional. Like you can enter in these fake credit cards and it just passes, accepts them and you get the webhooks back and you know, it's like, it's fully functional. But Rewardful doesn't seem to, to work with Stripe's test mode. Mm. So it will it will track the visit, but only in, in your production dashboard. Right. Like there's there is no test mode. Okay. So so anyways, I the little chat pop up shows up, right? And it says that they respond within five minutes on average. So it's like, okay, cool. I'll I'll ask them, you know, like, is there a sandbox? And if not, like how do I test the integration to know that it works? And, you know, I wait five minutes, no response. I wait 10, I, I wait an hour, no no response. So then I'm like, I, and no, and I still have the browser open. Like just- so Oh, that that's right. Because you're, it's like you're on the phone because they're going to message yeah, you through exactly. inter intercom, right? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know that if I close the browser, they're going to email me. Like, you know, I've used the, these live chats enough that I know how they work. So- okay. But in this case, they said five minutes, so I'm just going to leave it open. Yeah, like, I want the answer now because I think this is Friday morning. Like I want to, I want to be able to finish this today. Yeah. But in the end, I never get a response, and my free trial is ending. It's like <laughs> I'm just pissed off. <laughs> like the, the the stupid live chat sets this expectation, right? Absolutely. It's like they told me five minutes, so I'm expecting like live support. Mm -hmm. And, and then when you don't get it, it, it's like, well, if I would have known it was email support, and then, yeah, I would have asked my question differently and I would have provided details. And um, so, yeah, so I was really disappointed. The trial's ending soon. It's like, oh, fuck it, whatever. Cancel my subscription so that I don't, I don't get charged. Yeah. And I'm just going to write the integration myself. Okay. Like, because at this point, the only thing they, they're providing is this track this generation of IDs and tracking these IDs. Mm. And it's like, you know, yeah, of course, it's going to be more work f for the reporting part. Right. Um, and yeah, probably I, I would save time if I was using them, but I, I have no idea if, if I did the integration correctly. Mm. So uh, I don't know. It's not how I work. I don't want to be pushing code in production and then have to test it live in production. Yeah. And then, oh, it doesn't work. And then I got what I'm going to have to redeploy to production five times to get it to work. So, Doing test transactions, test, yeah, exactly. test live transactions. But no, it's not even tests. I'd have to use a real credit card. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you, yeah, and then <laughs> and then refund them, and then Ugh. it's like no, yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. this is not how I like to work. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, Stripe start, might start to flag me like too many refunds yep. in a day. <laughs> yep, that's so the thing. Yeah, so it's like no, forget it. I'm just gonna write it myself. Uh, so that and then they email me like three days later, like <laughs> with an answer that pretty much says, "Yeah, they don't have a sandbox, so you, you need to do it in production." Okay. Uh, so then I was like, Ugh. "I I feel like I should respond to like give them some feedback because I know they're you know I know they're a startup and mm -hmm. I've seen them in microconf like you know it's it's a community that I like so I, yeah I thought I'd give some 
some constructive feedback about this experience of me having expectations from life support mm-hmm. that the, the the chat box should reflect the reality. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, but his response was just like, "Well, you know, sorry for not responding during the weekend." <laughs> Which, and then I, you know, it's like it's like almost trolling me. <laughs> it's like, you know, you want to respond again. <laughs> He's like, no, of course I don't expect you to reply during the email during the weekend, right? But yeah. first of all, it was Friday morning. It wasn't the weekend. Yeah. And you said five minutes. So I'm expecting an answer that day. Yeah. So, But I didn't. I said, no, no, you need to say no. <laughs> you need to, to work on other things. There you go. So I just deleted the email. Yeah, no, I totally, yeah. I feel like, it, I think it's especially difficult for somebody like you because you, you've gone so far with support that when someone doesn't give you that same level of support or, I mean, I think it's totally fair that they set an expectation and didn't meet it. Um, when they could have done a myriad of things to, <laughs> to, to treat this, to treat support differently and didn't, but like, especially when you take it so seriously and you don't get the same level of support back, it's just like, what the fuck guys, what, what the hell? <laughs> this is outrageous. And it's true. Like I, I, I totally agree with you. Well, yes. I mean, yeah, that's part of it. I mean, the, the biggest problem is the expectation. Oh, yeah, I completely like, agree with that. I got a live chat that says five minutes. They fudged. Like, it was three days. That That is a big disconnect. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I'd, I'd be okay with just email support. Yeah, totally. Like, uh, I, Michelle Hansen was talking about that on the Software Social recently. Yeah, exactly. That they were like, yeah, when you have intercom up, it sets the expectation that you're available always. And they don't want to send that expectation. They don't want to set that expectation. So they removed it. And they're like, yeah. well, hopefully we don't lose a bunch of customers as a result of this. But just for quality of life, like, we, we got to do it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's why I don't have the live chat. Mm-hmm. I've, I've tried it with one startup in the past. And yeah, like, yeah, it wasn't a good experience. Okay. Like, you know, if you don't respond, like, immediately, like, in 30 seconds, like, often the person's gone. Yeah. It's like, so then you, you, you reply and nope, too late. They're already gone. They already closed the browser. They didn't leave an email. No, I'm finding that now with the freelancing that I'm doing. Like the devs are all together in a WhatsApp group and we're all over the world. Or no, WhatsApp group, but like a Telegram group. And we're all over the world and I have notifications turned on. And it's like, I have to turn that off immediately because they're just kind of, we're all, no one's full time. So we're just kind of working on it whenever we work on it. But it's like, I can't just be available to answer. I don't think we should be doing that with each other. Like we need to be asynchronous because right. um, this is just stressing us all out. Like <laughs> I can't be the only one that feels this way. Yeah. I'm not a fan of, of uh, chat. Like I, like I said last week in my days, we didn't have Slack. <laughs> Back in my so, day, we used to send emails to each other and it worked fine. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, no, we didn't have Slack, and I wouldn't want I wouldn't want Slack, no. like being expected to to answer questions immediately at all times. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I know well, it's it. I guess it's that level of maturity that you reach of just like I know how I work, <laughs> and most of the time, what someone wants from me is not that urgent. It's like the work that I'm doing is is the thing that moves the needle. So that's what exactly. I should be focused on. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm not going to be offering live chat. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's the right move. 
hopefully this week I'll get a lot more, a lot more work done. So what do you think you'll do in terms of support? Are you going to kind of pick an hour or two to do every day? Or are you going to try to block off a, a single day to book calls and do support? Like, what does that kind of look like for you? Yeah, I mean, for all the the calls that I'm doing, I think I might I might put them all on hold. So okay. I think I'll uh, I'll tell Anthony to put my Founders Club account on hold, mm-hmm. and even the weekly mastermind for the 100 in 100 challenge. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll yeah, at least this week. Maybe this week I'm I'm just gonna cancel it all. Right. So that I really have. Well, I mean, it's already Tuesday, <laughs> but uh, at least I'll have. Th- Three and a half days yeah, totally. of, of deep work. So I think the recipe is going to be to to do support emails in the morning when I'm drinking my coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, maybe at the end of the day, I could do a little follow-up. To just check if there's anything I can respond to right away. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it will be... Yeah, I think... I mean, just changing the pace. I think we'll change expectations. And then I'll try to write a few canned responses like asking for details because yeah. often it's like they, they just say you don't you know like why can't I map this field it's like well tell me what the field name is yeah let's start with <laughs> that you're right and and why do you say you can't like was there an error message like <laughs> or yeah so like a, a bit of these clarify, clarifying questions mm-hmm. like, so like okay they asked me a question so then I can just say alright can you clarify the question give me the link to the workflow and and the actual error message or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah that's totally reasonable yeah and it seems like that would be good for a um like even if you did it even if you check support you check your support inbox twice a day but it's more to say maybe you only actually do support during one of those intervals but right. the check is really just to help weed out and follow up on unspecific support requests. So it's like, oh yeah, like I'll check it twice a day, but ultimately in the evening, I'm just following up with support emails that need more enrichment. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, because because uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of inbox zero. Okay. So you know, all my inboxes are are empty. Mm-hmm. But I think for this inbox, I need to to accept that no, no, it's it's not going to be empty. Mm-hmm. Like. I'll do my hour of support in the morning and then in the evening, like, yeah, like you say, I'll just check just so that I can do some triage, basically. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a great yeah. way to put it. It's that's it. In the evenings, it's just triage. It's like, okay, I can I can answer, you know, I can ask this person for more details. Mm-hmm. So, like, cut and paste that, that message that asks for more details mm-hmm. and then that's it. I'll check the next day in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of those problems that is just never going to end. There will always be support. So I I like the idea of um, coming to terms with that, that there's emails in the inbox and you're going to do your best and you're going to do your best within reason. And because ultimately you're fixing their problem by getting in, by getting to do deep work, you're fixing their problem. And it's like, it's got to happen. I I listened to the podcast Default Alive Mm -hmm. with Carrie Ains and Chris Spaggs. Mm -hmm. So Chris also runs a Webflow business, right? It's JetBoost. Mm-hmm. And at one point, a, lo- a long time ago, in one of the episodes, he was saying how he was getting behind on his support. And, and then he said something like, yeah, sometimes it takes me like three days to respond. <laughs> and to me, it was like, oh my God, three days? That's like forever. 
and now I'm starting to see the wisdom <laughs> in his ways. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I understand now. Mm. Thank you, Sensei. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I also, you know, like, there's no regrets. Like, yeah, I, I, I wanted to offer good support. I learned a lot. I'm seeing what needs to be fixed so that I get less support. Yeah. But I, I knew that it wouldn't scale. And now, yeah, now it's it's not scaling. Like it's taking up too much of my time. Mm-hmm. But now I, I'm at a better place now where I can start to systemize it. And hopefully that's one step closer to outsourcing it also. Yeah, very true. Once I already have answers pre-composed and someone else will be able to, to you know, maybe just do 80% of it. Mm-hmm. Then I'm only left with the 20%. Absolutely. This is very healthy. So this is a very healthy step forward. Yeah. They're good problems to have. Yeah. But problems nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, once I've finished this, um, at least for now, this re- referral program, mm-hmm. like I don't have to worry about the integrate, the uh, the reporting and all that. It's like, I just have to worry about, am I tracking everything right. that we'll need to do the reporting? Mm-hmm. And then we can launch. Mm-hmm. And then... Then I have a month to figure out the report. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm only going to have one affiliate. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's going to be whatever. I'll be able to generate a report and then I'll know how much to pay them. And then- Do it by hand. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. It'll be yet another thing that won't scale. <laughs> but at least that one will be like, oh, I've got all this money and I have to give some <laughs> of it to somebody. Oh man, this is tough. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. I hope that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, yet more good problems to have. Right. Or otherwise, it would be me spending hours to generate a report yeah. to realize I don't have to pay him anything because yeah. he didn't send anyone my way. <laughs> I mean, even if you had to do it manually, can you just log into Stripe and, like, visually look? Because they're like, can you add a column to a table in Stripe and be like, oh, look, there it is? No, no? not okay. really. But I, I think I'll be... I mean, because I... I have a webhook, so I, I get all the events mm-hmm. on my side. So I think it'll be a simple query oh, okay. to just search through all my events on my side. Yeah, find all the charges, find all the refunds, mm-hmm. okay. calculate the difference. And... Easy peasy. Yeah, I think so. Cool. So yeah, that's my week. Nice. I mean, that and some some improvements. Improvements on? On Power Importer. Oh, okay. Like this. Yeah. Like a lot of these questions I'm being asked, I think could be solved with better UX. Sure. And I want to start working on new importers. I have already three ideas, and I need to I need to start testing them. Like, well, I need to have a proof of concept that I can actually do it, and then start testing whether people are interested in being a better tester. Yeah. Basically, the same recipe I did the first importers. Sure. All right. Should we wrap up? Yep. Let's wrap up. Sounds good. All right. I'll catch you next week. All right. All right. Sick. Have a great week. Yeah. You too. Later. Bye.